0: Settle in and get ready for spoilers because this film is lit. The March Sisters come of age in post Civil War America. It's Little Women, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. On this week's episode, we're talking about 1994's Little Women. Mm -hmm. We mentioned in one of the prequel episodes or the last episode or something that we'll be doing a patron bonus episode where we discuss the 2019 Little Women. Yes. Not like a full...
1: Not a breakdown like this. Breakdown like this.
0: But comparing differences between the 2019 to 1994 version and the books, you know, what they changed, that sort of thing. A more loosely formatted version. But if you are interested in hearing our thoughts on the 2019 version, go check us out on Patreon. If you support us for at least $5 a month, you get access to that, um, as well as all of our other bonus content that we've recorded. Um, And if you support us for $15 a month, you get priority recommendations. But... Uh, That'll probably be a couple weeks before that comes out. Uh, A week or two. Yeah. Would be my guess before that. We haven't
1: watched it yet. Yeah, we haven't
0: watched it, so it it won't be out yet. (laughs) It won't be out yet. We just watched the 1994 one last night, so um, we'll probably watch it this weekend or something. Um, But you can expect that episode, bonus episode, in the next two weeks. Katie, we have every single segment, Mm -hmm. including Guess Who, Mm -hmm. which is always hit or miss. We won't have it next week. I'll tell you right now. When you find out what our episode is, <laughs> you'll understand why. But first, let's get right in to Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up.
1: Set during and after the American Civil War, Little Women follows the four March sisters, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, as they grow up, discover themselves, fall in love, and navigate all of the trials and joys that come with that process.
0: That's also the movie.
1: Yes. I realize it's an incredibly (laughs) vague summary. Um, The story falls under the genre, like, slice of life. Yes. Um, So it's difficult to succinctly sum up what happens because while there are plenty of overarching themes, there's not really an overarching plot.
0: No. There are overarching – there are, like, plot – there are, like, narratives that run throughout the – you know, like, relationships or whatever, but there aren't – Yes. And there are, there are like character arcs that run throughout the whole thing, but it's not a plot. There's no right. plot. It's personally. more
1: like vignettes.
0: Yeah, it is. And I actually had a note about that, that it did remind me of, in a very small way, and obviously very different of like a Christmas story. Uh-huh. Sort of in the way it's like little vignettes that are yeah. like their own stories, but then yeah. it kind of comes together into a bigger story, kind of. And now it's very different in many different ways. But uh, I, yeah, that kind of vignette style storytelling all right the triumphant return i think it's i guess it's only been one week since we've had guess who
1: because uh, we didn't
0: have it for jumanji but right did we have it what was the it? one before what that?
1: did we even do before Ooh, jumanji? I, my brain <laughs> my brain just, wiped, just short-circuited
0: wiped it out of my head uh we'll say it's at least one week since we've had a guess who so let's go ahead and play
1: who are you no one of consequence i must get used to disappointment Okay, so we have several here. Although I, I don't That's think you'll I don't think you'll struggle. Well you might struggle some.
0: This seems hard. This <laughs> seems incredibly hard. I yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna get like any of these. Okay. There's All like right. 19 <laughs> characters and most of them are women that look vaguely similar. <laughs> so I feel like I'm gonna do terribly.
1: Alright, well let's let's give you a shot here with our first one. A rosy, smooth, bright-eyed girl with a shy manner and a graceful expression. Okay,
0: so the shy manner feels like the dead giveaway. Go I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that is Beth.
1: That is Beth. All right. You're welcome for the emphasis on shy. I mean,
0: I, when I saw it, you didn't have to put the emphasis. I saw <laughs> shy. I, I mean, it, yes, that seemed fairly, that one was fairly easy. Mm. If, if, the, if the description goes into character details, then yes, it makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> Or as opposed to just, like, physical, which I guess it's a shy expression, but that also gives away some character.
1: A tall, motherly lady with a can-I-help-you look about her that was truly delightful. She was not elegantly dressed, but a noble-looking woman.
0: Well, I mean, again, I'm going to assume that that would be Marmy.
1: That would be Marmy.
0: I mean, it says mother in the... (laughs)
1: In the the description, description. so again,
0: if if they're all like that, it will be fairly easy.
1: (laughs) Very pretty, being plump and fair, with large eyes, plenty of soft brown hair, a sweet mouth, and white hands.
0: Well, brown hair, uh, there are several, there's two. Um, that would be uh, Joe and Meg both have brown hair. Um, very pretty. Now we do know in the book and or in the movie that Amy says that Joe's only good feature <laughs> was her hair right so it cannot be her because she's very pretty so uh, Meg would be where I would probably land here um although I still think it probably fits for either of them if I'm being fair uh the white hands doesn't really help anything either I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out on a limb and using my intuition based on the the shade thrown by the younger March (laughs) sister, that this is, in fact, Meg, who is pretty, unlike Joe.
1: It is Meg. Yes. And when we get to uh, a description of Joe, I think you'll be able to contrast, whereas Meg's descriptions has words like fair, large eyes, soft hair. Joe's description will be a little bit different than that. He was a grave, silent young man with handsome brown eyes and a pleasant voice.
0: Uh, that feels very obviously uh, that that would be Laurie. It's not Laurie. Wait. Grave, silent young man with handsome brown eyes and a pleasant voice. Okay, I don't know. It's Mr. Brooke. That Okay. That, yeah,
1: the guy that Meg marries. Yeah,
0: That would, it would have been my second guess. Now, he doesn't have brown hair in the movie. He's played by Eric Stoltz um or wait doesn't oh brown, brown eyes. eyes yeah then i guess it could have been either way i don't know what a color eyes eric stoltz has but his red hair so.
1: <laughs> i mean they don't say he has red hair in the book i don't Fair. think they
0: ever describe his hair but that but that does make sense yeah that would have would have been my second guess actually
1: a regular snow maiden with blue eyes and yellow hair curling on her shoulders pale and slender and always carrying herself like a young lady
0: Okay, yeah, that, that would be Amy.
1: Yeah, the only blonde. Yeah, right? the only
0: blonde. Well, Beth's. Is she not blonde? Yeah, I guess she's not. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm thinking of Claire Danes, who often has blonde hair, but.
1: Yeah, but her hair is more. It's of like a, more of a brown. brown yeah. yeah. Curly black hair, brown skin, big black eyes, handsome nose, fine teeth, small hands and feet, taller than I am, very polite, and altogether jolly. <laughs>
0: Uh, I have no idea who this would be. Um, boy. Oh, I guess this could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 this would be Laurie.
1: It is Laurie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, It took me a second. Yeah, because I forgot that I was wrong. So I was, (laughs) I forgot that I was wrong about Laurie previously. So I was like, well, it can't be. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is Joe's description of what Laurie looks like.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, at first, I was thinking it was Joe, potentially. Mm -hmm. And then when it said taller than I am, and I was like, wait a second. Obviously not, because I know that Joe, or you know, from her
1: perspective.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, cool.
1: Very tall, thin, and brown, and reminded one of a cult. She had a decided mouth, a comical nose, and sharp gray eyes.
0: Well, I would say that this is probably Joe. That is Joe, yeah. You know, I would never have thought it before, but if somebody described (laughs) Winona Ryder as uh, reminding one of a cult, I wouldn't disagree with them. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Winona (laughs) Ryder, but I I don't know if I would disagree with them about that. So good casting in that regard.
1: (laughs) Okay, last one. Rather stout... With brown hair that tumbled all over his head, a bushy beard, good nose, the kindest eyes I ever saw, and a splendid big voice. His clothes were rusty, his hands were large, and he hadn't really a handsome feature in his face, except his beautiful teeth.
0: Well, I'm assuming this I know who this is, although he does not have a beard in the movie. Uh, I would say this is probably um, Friedrich.
1: Yeah, Professor Bear. Yeah, yeah,
0: Friedrich, the professor. Um, my th- other thought would have been their father because mm-hmm. I think he does have a beard.
1: He does, yeah, in the
0: movie. Um, but yeah, I, based on the rest of it, the brown hair and um, it's interesting because I would, you know, I, I will say this because I talk about how he doesn't, he's not particularly handsome. Um, Gabriel Byrne, the guy who plays him, is handsome, but he's not like obnoxiously handsome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's like, not he like a
1: classical handsome guy. Yeah,
0: and well, because they talked about, we talked about in the prequel how they had, they had, they had talked about having um, Hugh Laurie play. No, not it Hugh Laurie. A... No. <laughs> uh, Hugh Grant. Yeah. <laughs> I am combining Laurie with, yeah. <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Grant played uh, Professor Byrne, uh, or not Byrne, uh, Bear. Mm-hmm. And now I'm combining all the names Professor <laughs> Byrne, which is Gabrielle Byrne. Good lord. Yes. Uh, they talked about having Hugh Grant play the professor mm-hmm. and that he didn't quite fit the part and i would agree he's yeah. too handsome i think yeah. for the role potentially cool i got all of them except one
1: yeah see i told you You're right. I
0: they fine. were fairly they were uh much in the same way that the 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 movie um has very well realized characters because they are such well realized characters their descriptions yeah you can uh, yeah and to them the, very the
1: descriptions easily. and they do include those denotations of characters because their characters are so much more important than what they look like. Right.
0: Yes. Cool. All right. We, I've got so many questions. I was worried the first 10 minutes of this book or the first 10 minutes in the movie, I had zero questions. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have anything. And then I had so many questions. So let's get into it. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. What? Honestly, don't you two read? All right. This is something that, this is the fr- and again, like I said, this is probably twenty minutes into the movie or something because I didn't That's have a anything. a good ways months. in, yeah. I mean, and this happens a lot of times when we're doing this. With was that in the book? I have nothing, and then all of a sudden, because f- for the intro, I don't know. Like you are a lot of mm-hmm. setting up stuff, and I just don't know enough to know what I should ask about. And then started getting to interesting things, including this little uh, brief moment from the the movie where Amy discusses this trend at her school where all the kids have limes and like trade limes for Uh stuff and it's very strange and i wanted to know if it was from the book but two and this is almost a lost in adaptation was this a real thing uh and three i'm very glad to know that kids have always been weird and always had weird things like it immediately made me hearken back to elementary school and the weird stuff that we would yeah. trade or collect or like just random like what you know one one week it would be like erasers like cool <laughs> or like like you know erasers that looked like stuff the next week it would be like paper origami like yeah. it's always kids that are in the weird stuff like
1: it that. makes me think of like i'm gonna age us here real quick for anyone who doesn't already know our age um beanie babies yeah Because Beanie Babies also caused a stir at my school and like... there was a point where we like got in trouble for having them and they would get confiscated. Oh yeah.
0: There all kinds of stuff like that. It was, there was a whole thing where there was a craze where there was, people would play like, you remember pencil break the game pencil break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like people, you would get in trouble for taking pencils out to the playground. (laughs) Like during recess, (laughs) like they would like check your pockets (laughs) for pencils (laughs) at least at my school, like stuff like that. Yeah. And it's good to know that that's, Always been the case. Yeah. I mean, I knew that. I, I've known that it's, it's always been that way, but it, it was a fun little like, oh, so back then it was limes. Okay. <laughs> or maybe it was. Was it?
1: <laughs> uh, so this is a thing from the book. Um, There is a trend of... It's actually... I don't think they specify this in the movie, maybe because they don't want to explain it, but it's actually pickled limes.
0: Oh, yeah. they I, I feel like a, they don't say that, but...
1: Which was like a, a kind of candy, basically, yeah. at the time. Yeah.
0: We actually... Now that you say that, I... Um, Well, pickled, I don't know, but uh, candied lime Mm -hmm. rinds or skins. Uh, Townsend has made those before. (laughs) I watched a video with uh, Townsend's doing
1: it. Um, So that is from the book, and it was a real thing. Uh, I looked up some recipes before this episode thinking that we could make pickled limes (laughs) as, like, a fun extra thing. But they were all kind of involved. Like, there was a lot of, like you have to like let them sit and then like take them out and squeeze them and yeah. then like let them sit again. And oh, just boy. like, I know. And they all looked kind of gross <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, so I think we'll just leave that one in the 1860s. There you
0: go. Uh, so this is another thing with Amy that I thought was really interesting. Very soon after this, well, it's because of the limes actually mm-hmm. um, she is at school and they catch her with the limes in her desk and she is reprimanded and, and, and struck. She gets hit by a switch on the hand. Um, and she like comes home from school and she's got this big welt on her hand and, and everybody in her family is outraged. Uh, Joe first cause she finds her. And then the rest of the family, including, uh, the Marmee, they're all super outraged and Marmee like writes a letter and she's going to withdraw her from the school. And I thought it was super interesting because I, I wanted to know if it was the book from the book, because it, it was one of those things that I was like, I would be interested to know how common the, that, sort of attitude would have been mm-hmm. in that time period because to me it a corporal punishment something like that mm-hmm. I mean that's still going on in certain places even in America like not to the same extent but most yeah. of it was outlawed in you know like the 60s or whatever but like all the way up until like the 1960s and 70s it was pretty commonplace to some extent mm-hmm. uh, for like teachers in certain areas to like hit kids or whatever um and in the movie they go on this she goes on this big spiel about how terrible it is and and all this sort of stuff and it felt like an incredibly and we we talked about you know sort of the progressive nature of the alcott family and louisa may alcott and and little women and all that sort of stuff but this in particular felt like maybe slightly more progressive than Mm -hmm. it had any right being potentially i don't know that's why i wanted to ask about it
1: uh so this is plays out similarly amy does get in trouble for having the limes and the teacher does strike her Mm -hmm. um the scene with the family's reactions definitely rings a little more 1990s than 1860s. Okay. Um, Marmee does say that she doesn't approve of corporal punishment, especially for girls, and she does allow Amy to continue her education at home. She also writes a letter, but the book doesn't tell us what's in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I would have to assume this probably wasn't a super commonly held yeah, perspective. Yeah, I would think, yeah. But I don't know for sure. But
0: we also just know. I mean, that's kind of what, and we'll get into more of it later because I have more questions about it. But we do know that Louisa May Alcott and her family did have yeah, particularly were, progressive views. Yeah,
1: pretty progressive that she put for them the time. Into her
0: books, so it's not outlandish that you know that this was true of her family and their views. But maybe not wasn't a prevalent yeah um, sort of attitude in, in the time period. Interesting. Uh, so Amy's a giant brat. And we'll get into it. I know you have a whole so much to get into, and I, I feel like I won't disagree with you. This particular moment that I want to talk about was the first like thing with her, and and it made me in particular feel like wow, she's a giant brat. Uh, is when she burns Joe's manuscript, uh, and she throws it in the fire because she's upset that <laughs> she's upset that Joe uh, is and and Beth or no Joe and Meg I think are going to the opera yeah or the the show not the opera um yeah to like they're, play or something the
1: laurie is taking joe and meg to the theater
0: yeah and, and, and amy, amy, wants, amy to go. wants to go and she doesn't get to go and 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 it plays out i i'm not yeah it totally seems all very realistic to me in terms of like little sibling mm-hmm. tantrum type stuff but she burns her manuscript and it's like woof that's don't do that that's real that's not cool does that happen in the book
1: that does happen in the book, yeah. She is mad that she doesn't get to go to the theater, so she burns Joe's manuscript, which is the representation of like many years of work. Yeah. I disliked this plot point particularly growing up uh, as a writer with younger siblings. Um, I always felt like Amy didn't get in enough trouble for that. No,
0: I agree. <laughs> that's why in this particular moment I I found her incredibly annoying because it yeah. does feel like that's it's you know it, it's something that goes above and beyond like
1: it feels like a very disproportionate reaction
0: <laughs> yes it does it feels, and, and kids are do stuff like yeah, that absolutely. you know? so it's not i don't want to say it's unrealistic and i do but i do agree that i think the, the her <laughs> the retribution on her is maybe not uh, or not retribution but the her punishment doesn't we don't really see much of her punishment yeah. she just gets kind of like you know reprimanded and it felt maybe a little
1: which and that might just be reflective of the family's views on like punishment and well,
0: sure. I I mean I'm va- incredibly against ever hitting a kid or anything. Oh, like I'm not
1: that. saying no. hit her. No, I know, I know, you you you're know. Not.
0: I know you're not. I'm just saying that like even even with their incredibly progressive ideas on like punishment and mm-hmm. and sort of um, child rearing, still felt. like it was she didn't there was not the appropriate like uh, maybe we just didn't see it maybe there was more of a conversation had but it it definitely makes you not like amy and i feel like the lack of a of satisfactory like punishment for it Increases the audience's dislike of Amy in that moment um, I could be wrong
1: uh, Well let's go ahead
0: and talk <laughs> about
1: Amy um, Amy March is one of the lasting discourses <laughs> of this novel um, A lot of people really hate Amy A lot of Amy hate out there mm-hmm. uh, I think it makes sense to not like Amy in the first half of the book Like she, She really is a brat Um, but she grows out of it. Uh, if I'm being honest, I do suspect that a lot of the Amy hate stems from Amy quote unquote, getting the guy at the end. Um, and like the internalized misogyny that goes hand in hand with that. Um, what are your thoughts?
0: I agree. I agree completely. I, I don't, I didn't actually ultimately dislike her at all. I, I, that, that what And again, just from this one movie, this is the only Little Women content I have consumed. <laughs> um, I found her incredibly frustrating and annoying in that scene, which we're supposed to because she is Joe's antagonist in that little vignette.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the movie then goes to great lengths to very quickly show them move past that. Like yes. they immediately and we don't know how long it's been necessarily since
1: not very long but not long it's yeah. it's
0: a week month whatever who knows but not very long since she burns the manuscript and then she almost drowns and we see you know joe being very loving towards her and and that sort of thing mm-hmm. so it's uh but I, and i think the movie does is is doing that on purpose to really give us a i think it's trying to give us a very identifiable and relatable portrayal of like that sibling Love where it's mm-hmm. like literally one moment you hate each other, yeah, and you because li- she goes from I will never talk to you again, I hate you, to the next moment she's like you know talking about how much she loves her, and like and that juxtaposition is very intentional. Um, and so we're supposed to hate Amy in that first scene, uh, like I think that's very clear because Joe is our protagonist, she is our um, point of view character. Uh, that being said, I do think that anybody who then at by the end of the movie still like doesn't like amy or thinks that anything after mm-hmm. and again you talked about the first half of the book versus second half um which is the two books essentially like yeah. it, when yeah, in the original it was, printing was published
1: was, in two volumes yeah
0: um i think by the time we get to the end if you if you still dislike amy i, I don't know why like she mm-hmm. has that one scene that i was like wow you're awful but she doesn't do anything else after that. I never found anything else about her obnoxious or mm-hmm. or, 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 or annoying. I have issues with her and uh, Laurie's storyline later uh, that we'll talk about. Uh, I have issues with that, but they're not necessarily, they're not really related to Amy. They're related to Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> like my feelings and negative feelings about their relationship and where that goes aren't, don't reflect poorly to me on Amy uh as as much as they do on Lori, but and i think that maybe comes back to what you're saying about maybe some internalized misogyny and that sort of thing because i find the that whole situation very weird but (laughs) but i also yeah we'll get to it we have we have notes to talk about that but yeah my feelings are that i i get not liking her early on Mm -hmm. um because she is the annoying young sister you're supposed to not really like her that much Again, yeah, because we're we're supposed to be Joe and right. we're this meant situation. to
1: identify primarily with Joe and Amy is the
0: annoying little yeah. sister. Yeah, but I think once we get past that and towards the later part, I think anything left over there is misplaced and should be reevaluated potentially would there be you, my there
1: you have argument. it folks <laughs> no,
0: I, I'm not, I, I am not a little Women scholar or I <laughs> neither just, am i no i know i but i mean i'm like as far from it as possible i've seen this one movie so <laughs>
1: um i just want to put out there also that i would really love to conduct a survey on how people feel about amy cross-referenced with birth order i would just really love to see that data
0: yeah that is true I know, maybe that, that is true. I am also the youngest sibling.
1: That's a fair point. I, I am also the
0: oldest. I don't think I was ever an annoying sibling. I'm sure I was. You were absolutely <laughs> and I'm just going to well, tell you right now. <laughs> we were far enough apart that I, I... We didn't... Like, it was not a similar situation necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was kind of close. But, like, my brother that I lived with was eight years older than me. So, like, it was... We didn't really cross... I mean, it was a very different type of situation. I mean,
1: my, my sister's eight years younger than me. Yeah, I guess. And I wanted to murder her a lot growing up.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Love you, Jen. <laughs> uh,
0: so we talked about it, but does Amy nearly drown in the frozen pond uh, in the movie? She the I, They're skating on a, a pond and the ice cracks and Amy falls through and they rush and uh, Laurie and Joe are... Barely able to save her from. It's a very dramatic fate. scene. Yes.
1: Uh, yes, she does fall through the ice, uh, chasing after them when they go ice skating, uh, and they use a fence post to get her out. This movie is the reason that I know how to rescue someone who's fallen into ice. Yeah, yes, they,
0: yes, they got it.
1: Flat Flatten, flatten yourself out and. Push a post of some sort towards them Yeah
0: I, I This is, movie is not how I know that I, I, <laughs> That's in a bunch of movies About how, like how to like Get somebody out of b- a broken ice <laughs> It's like you gotta stay flat And spread your Distribute your weight So you don't fall through the ice as well Yeah uh, So this We move on And at one point um, Meg goes to like Some other woman's
1: It's like her coming out party yeah, It's like her her. It's here, a gala event her,
0: Here Single Ben.
1: I mean, yeah, that's basically what it was
0: It's like, meat's back on the menu, yeah Um, and so she's going to this other event And she's, like, mingling with all the girls As they're preparing for this event And they're discussing their dresses and stuff And they're kind of, they're all very snobby And they're making fun of Meg for her dress
1: They're all notably wealthier Yes they're wealthy
0: and and in particular um, Also yeah it's kind of Snobby to go along with that And uh, they're making fun of her dress and stuff And she she talks about how uh, They they talk about how she doesn't wear silk um, Because of Basically two reasons Kind of about how A lot of it is produced by slave labor And then also the stuff that is in China she also goes into a tangent about Child
1: exploitation And labor
0: and stuff like that Um, And that in particular to me The child exploitation thing Felt particularly like a modern Ad Mm -hmm. like because We we do know that uh, the Alcott's were Abolitionists and against slavery and all That sort of stuff so that the whole Like being opposed to slavery and like Um, maybe not wanting to consume products that were the result of slave labor I would make potentially track to me. Like, I could buy that. But the child labor thing, like, child labor laws took a lot longer to come around, and, like, I don't know how much of that was... I don't know. That felt like a particularly modern ad, and so I wanted to know if that all of that stuff was from the book.
1: Um, That's definitely a movie edition. Uh, In the book, they, I mean, they have a few old silk dresses... The girls all pretty frequently covet silk dresses. Meg, at one point, actually buys some silk and then regrets it, but because it was so expensive. Oh. They don't wear silk because they're poor. I mean, I. For moral reasons. Yeah, I agree with you that that feels like a natural extension of like who this family is.
0: It doesn't not track.
1: Yeah, but it's definitely not in the book.
0: Okay. There's uh, at this 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 big gala event there uh, at this house. There's a the introductory like shot of this is a, a shot uh, of the camera like panning down um, this big grand stairwell, and at the top level there's a kid with some maids, and he spits something out of his mouth, and I was like what, <laughs> and then the camera goes down further, and then there's two more kids, and they have big bunches of grapes, and they're pulling grapes off and throwing them off the stairs and i was so confused by this (laughs) that i had to assume it was from the book that it was some weird little detail that they included from the book so i have to know
1: i mean that's something the movie added i don't remember anything about that being in the book
0: it's so strange to me because it would be one thing if there were just two little kids throwing grapes off of the stairs at people sure fine but that it's two different groups, and one of those groups has adults who are seemingly encouraging (laughs) it, made it feel like it must be some weird tradition or something. You know what I mean? Like, Uh. it felt like it must be, like, the lines (laughs) thing or something. I don't know. I was like, well, why are these maids there, like, laughing about this kid spitting grapes at people, and then these other kids in a different, other different kids are also throwing grapes? I mean, uh... (laughs) I think the I think the kids is just, I think
1: that's just supposed to be like a detail of like oh they're at a party and right. they're bored. Sure, um,
0: I would get that if it was one group of kids just throwing grapes off about uh, off the stairs, but the two different there's, separate there's a
1: lot of a lot of detail there. Yeah, I it agree. makes it weird to me,
0: and I'm sure I'm <laughs> overthinking it, but it's just something about there being two groups of kids and then the other group having adult. With them, also. I don't know,
1: I kind of love that the maids are in the background, like, yeah, pelt those rich
0: jerks with grapes. I don't dislike <laughs> it. It just confused me thoroughly and made me feel like I was missing a reference or something. you know what I mean, yeah. I felt like this yeah. must be it's like throwing rice at like a wedding or something like it felt like it <laughs> must like if we throw grapes at young ladies coming out parties, like that's what we do. Well, I don't know if
1: we've got if we have any historical experts listening who can tell us if that was a thing. I feel like it wasn't, probably. No, probably not. But who knows?
0: I don't know. Well, and then the thing that drove me even more crazy is then the camera gets to the bottom of the stairs and all the people are standing down there and none of them are looking up like, hey, <laughs> why are we getting hit with grapes? Maybe they were all had
1: really bad aim. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, I guess the it's The grapes possible. were missing
1: I guess every possible.
0: time. So at this party, uh, after she's made to feel bad about uh, her... Her sort of, um,
1: her uh, stature. And... Yes, and
0: her more plain, you know, mm-hmm. dress. Uh, Meg ends up wearing. Uh, they they put her in a like a, a fancy silk dress and like yeah, they like a corset. They they give dress like, her, her up like yeah yeah.
1: I mean, we miss the makeover scene. Yeah, we don't but... get the
0: makeover scene, but they give her like a big make you know she she's she yeah. looks all fancy and
1: Ooh, I bet there's a makeover scene in the 2019 version. I bet there I is I bet we get that makeover scene. There you go.
0: Um, and Laurie is also at this party and he shows up and he is a big jerk yes. uh, to to Meg about this. Like he comes over and he's very judgmental and, um, you know, he basically calling her out for being like, imp- like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but like of, ju- of, of, of showing off too much skin. And mm-hmm. like sh- he's like very um, sh- uh, shames her and stuff like that. And. I was like oh gross because up till this point I very much liked Laurie he's like a very uh, endearing character and I found this incredibly (laughs) off-putting and now that being said I I don't think it's necessarily out of character because he can still be a very like a relatively progressive cool person but it is also still the 1800s and people like have (laughs) weird opinions about things Uh, and so it didn't feel out of character necessarily but it did make me dislike him a little bit more he does apologize immediately afterwards for for saying this stuff to her, but he does still say it. Uh, Is that the whole conversation from the book?
1: Yeah, that scene plays out very similarly. Um, They dress her up, and he is weirdly and grossly furious about it. Yeah. And then apologizes.
0: Okay. Didn't like it.
1: Didn't like it either, in either the book (laughs) or the movie. Uh,
0: Later on, we have, uh, actually right after that party, Meg gets home, and she's discussing the party with Joe and her mom and they're talking about it and they have this discussion about how Joe's all furious that, you know, all, the men were uh, sort of like people were um, uh, gossiping about Meg and Lori and like, mm-hmm. because, you know, what she was wearing and, and like judging her for like drinking, you know, like basically they have this whole big discussion about how women are judged unfairly for their actions or not necessarily unfairly but are judged very severely for their actions whereas men at this time aren't. Um, you know they can get away with pretty much whatever they want and it's just sort of seen as like just that's how men act blah 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 Mm -hmm. but if women do it then they're judged very harshly and they have this whole big conversation Marmy kind of explains to them um, that you know yeah that's how it works and it's unfortunate uh, and it's nonsense but that's just kind of how the world works but that she also um, wants her daughters to be valued not just for like their looks and stuff but their mind and their moral courage and all this sort of stuff. It's like this big, long, you know, very like mortally deep, like mm-hmm. conversation. And it felt elements of it to me felt particularly modern ish mm-hmm. a little bit uh, to some extent. And I was wondering how much of that was from the book
1: um, It's not from the book, but it is an update to Marmy's character that tracks with who she is in the book.
0: Okay, yeah, I don't disagree. I didn't, it didn't feel completely out of it. Didn't feel like this felt more reasonable and made more sense to me than their complete outrage at, um, like Amy being struck. Mm-hmm. Like that felt a little more like modern insert than yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: um And the same with. Uh, the silk thing that we talked about. I, I, I think this one didn't feel that. It definitely felt like it tracked in, uh, with sort of their character. I, I The other thing that I thought is that it is also a little dated. It's almost, it's funny because it felt more modern <laughs> than the <laughs> 1860s, but it's also a little dated in its...
1: Like dated to the 1990s. To the 1990s yeah. in, the,
0: in the sense of like, it, it's, it feels a little second wave feminism-y. Yeah. Ish yeah of like you know it's uh, of d de- completely deval, like not devaluing looks but like almost sh- she doesn't shame them for like wanting to be pretty or anything but it does feel that similar like it's that weird lo- i mean ideally you're trying to find a balance between like being valued for who you are as a person and and how you look and all these other things and this felt like it it bordered on veering into the like Again, of
1: like don't value your looks, don't
0: value your looks, but not even, not not even don't value your looks, but like it's better to not be pretty. And like those, those pretty girls, like they're d- like, like, like basically lumping attractive people or like conventionally attractive people as like dumb and uh-huh. unvaluable. Like it, it, it yeah. bordered into the do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, no, I, I could agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, I just felt like it kind of almost pushed into that same, that, that weird spot of going over too far into like you're all about your brain and don't worry about anything like i guess my the thing that to me that i find like bothersome about like that perspective getting pushed too far is that it i feel like it takes away from the complete the the complete picture of a human being (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with wanting to be viewed as attractive by people or wanting to um uh utilize your your physical appearance or your body for whatever like i don't know it's something about it feels like oddly like sex negative or something Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is and i i don't know i could be (laughs) well
1: yeah i mean i think that kind of perspective very easily veers into like oh well you say that you're supportive of women but if this woman likes like she's really into makeup and clothes that's the wrong thing to be into and she should be into like books and science
0: that's that's what it is it 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 veers into that place where we're replacing we're taking what we're defining what it is to be like valuable away from traditional feminine things into purely like traditionally masculine coded yeah. things and there's good to be had and but like you don't have to be one or the other you don't have to be either, you know and, and that's right. where it feels like but
1: we're we're working really hard to separate ourselves from that traditional yes viewpoint and the way that we do that is by placing too much value on the exact opposite yes and ideally we
0: want a balance. A balance we want somewhere yeah. in the middle yeah that's what it, that's exactly what it is you yeah that that's what i was trying to 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 kind of get to is that yeah it's you, you want to distance yourself from the traditionally enforced um roles that that women have been thrust into by a patriarchal society for all of history and so it makes sense to push against that and go well look we can do science we can do this we, we don't need to be yeah. i'm not going to dress up and be pretty for you like don't yeah But then also you can do both. You can be both. You can do whatever you want. Like it's that weird. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. moving on. (laughs) So so this is where we get uh, to Amy throwing the shadest of all shade uh, in the entire movie. This I laughed out loud at this line. Uh, They need some money uh, for something. I don't remember exactly what. It's when they're going to visit – it's after their father gets hurt in the war, I think, and, mm-hmm. and Marmy needs to go visit and they need some money or something like that.
1: Yeah, he's been injured, so she has to go to Washington yeah. and needs some money.
0: Yeah, and Mar- Joe was going to go borrow it from Aunt March, but she didn't want to ask her, so she ends up selling her hair. She cuts mm-hmm. her hair off to sell it, Um, I guess, to, I don't know to who. I make, to like a wig Wig maker, maker yeah. yeah kind of what I figured um and she gets home and she she reveals that she's done this and she pulls her bonnet off or whatever her hat or whatever <laughs> and they're all like oh no and Amy in the movie says Joe how could you you're one beauty <laughs> which made me crack up because I was like wow that little girl is savage <laughs> just I was like calm down it's Winona Ryder it's not her one beauty <laughs> all right I just wanted to know if that line was from the book because it was so mean, again, so, unintentionally mean. But. So
1: it is in the book, um, although we don't actually know who says it in the book. Oh. We get like a couple lines of reaction, oh, but the so book doesn't specify like who, who said what. what. Yeah. Um, And this is such a funny thing to me because even though it is, like I said, directly from the book, the idea that that wig is Winona Ryder's <laughs> one beauty makes it translate so poorly yeah
0: yeah it really does uh it's so funny yeah
1: yeah i mean the bob is not particularly flattering
0: i think she looks fine
1: she looks fine in that first scene later on when she has it in like a headband it looks kind of Uh,
0: yeah i thought it looked fine in general but uh that scene cracked me up uh, so Beth comes down with scarlet fever because she's so giving. She's been spending this time, her time, uh, bringing food to a uh, a poor family, like German family. I Yeah, believe, the but, Hummels, uh, who are like who are,
1: like the the marshes are supposed to be poor, but the Hummels are like really poor. Oh yeah, they're like living in squalor. Yeah. Poor. They
0: like live in like a one room yeah. shack in the woods and like don't have food. Yeah, the the, the marshes are fine, <laughs> like <they're>, relatively speaking. <laughs> um and they uh she's been bringing them food and stuff like that uh because she's that's kind of beth's character she's very she's a very tender hearted person she's very giving and mm-hmm. um uh very empathetic and that sort of thing um and she ends up catching scarlet fever from this baby
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, of this family um and it almost kills her uh and uh Marmy comes home in the movie from she again she was away in washington she ends up coming home and uh when she gets there the doctors are like, we can't do anything but then marmy's like Bucket of vinegar stick it on her Feet we'll get rid of this fever Or draw it out of her head or whatever and I was like Alright and it annoyed me a little Bit that they like threw in That it's a it's a standard Movie thing of like uh, the Doctors with their medicine they don't know what They're doing you know we Need some good old-fashioned uh, Home remedy <laughs> yeah home remedies mm-hmm. And and um, you know Yeah it just I don't That kind of stuff drives me crazy um, So I didn't particularly like that and I wanted to know if it was from the book, it's because it ends up in, no, working. It's not in the book. Yeah, sorry, it's not in the book.
1: Not in the book. Um, in the book, Beth's fever breaks just before Marmy gets there. Okay, um, I
0: would have preferred that. <laughs>
1: I mean, to be fair, in this time period, whatever the doctors were going to do was yes. probably also well. He was going to her, so yeah, yeah he I, was going to
0: like put no. leeches on her or whatever. I, I, I don't disagree that in this period it, I, they're all about as good as anything, and and the fact like her not, her, you know, them not bleeding her and just
1: this is probably better. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: that is not that is accurate, and it's it's one of the reasons that homeopathy was like successful back in the days, <laughs> was or was seen as a successful treatment back in the days because drinking water. And doing nothing else is vastly superior to bleeding people and putting leeches on them So homeopathy actually like Was a better treatment because you weren't doing anything It's fine uh, Does Lori propose to Joe and Does Joe refuse
1: Yes and yes
0: I mean I assume this felt like a big Would be a, a big a, change It's a
1: big, oh yeah that would be a really big change <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah this is a big moment yeah. In the story
0: yeah absolutely. um I thought this was interesting that so after she refuses, she turns down uh Laurie's proposal and she moves to New York to mm-hmm. start her life, go on her big adventure. you know, she wants to be a writer, she's gonna go to New York and uh, experience the big city and that sort of thing and she ends up running and this is where she meets uh, Friedrich the professor, and they're having a conversation at one point and they're talking about uh their their upbringing and she talks about how her parents were transcendentalists. Uh, and this is something we discussed very briefly in the prequel episode that mm-hmm. Louisa May Alcott's parents were, in fact, particularly her father, uh, was part of this transcendentalist group and, you know, ran around with all the big transcendentalists of the time. And I thought this is interesting, though, is that she's she's talking to Friedrich and she says that, um, you know, my parents are transcendentalists, but that led to a path of, that that the problem with that was that they're always seeking perfection. Mm hmm. And that this like weighed on her and this is like a defining sort of like character thing with her, like is that she's, she's felt sort of um, always felt the need to be better than she is and that sort of thing. And it's kind of weighed on her throughout her whole life. And we see that in some of the previous scenes where, you know, like the scene right before she goes to New York where she's talking to her mother about like what's wrong with me and that sort of stuff, which was a great scene and felt very real. But I wanted to know if that, conversation happened in the book because i actually didn't get the vibe in the even in the movie and maybe it was something that was more in the book and that just didn't translate to the movie that either of her parents her dad's like not even in the movie but even her mom i never got the vibe that they were particularly like demanding or judgmental or where she would have gotten the feeling that she like needed to be perfect or anything like that i didn't get that vibe so i was confused Um, by that scene a little bit
1: so in the book uh, that conversation that specific conversation doesn't really happen um she never talks about her parents being transcendentalists in the book that seems to me like the movie is further conflating the marches and the Alcotts. i will say that in the book there's more focus on the girls improving themselves like via sacrifice being charitable um controlling their tempers etc but there's also never a vibe of the parents being demanding or judgmental about it yeah There's actually a scene in the book where Joe talks to Marmee about struggling with her temper and like, like lashing out and like saying something without thinking about it. Um, And Marmee responds to that by telling Joe that she also struggles with her temper and what she does to help control that. Uh, It's a moment of genuinely good parenting as well as something that humanizes Marmee in a way that mothers in fiction don't often get to be humanized. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's interesting, cause yeah, it just, it, I just that makes sense, and that tracks with what we see to me of mm-hmm. Marmy in the movie. Would would be more in line with her parenting style, and it just so, so something about that particular conversation in the movie felt a little off. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like it. It tracked that. Yeah, I was like, I, I never got the vibe that that they were demanding or like you know that. They, they were looking for perfection from you or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. It felt weird because her, even in the scene previous to this, where Marmy talks about how she's always messing up and making mistakes. Her mom is incredibly like understanding and supportive. Yeah. And, and it isn't like, yeah, you're right. you you mess up everything. You know, it's, it's so, I, I was like, what is it? All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you can still have that perception as you could, you know, it's perfectly realistic for a child to feel that perception even if it's maybe not necessarily the case she could have still felt that way yeah even if what we're seeing you know from the outside is that that's not really the dynamic that's going on it's it's easy to still feel that way and and we don't know her relationship with her father to be fair like much at all he's in Mm -hmm. one scene in the movie so so she's been writing a bunch in new york uh, and she's getting some stories published and that sort of thing and uh, she shows her work to Friedrich, who's he's a philosopher. Um, he's a, a professor of philosophy from Germany, mm-hmm. um, who's now working as like a, a school teacher, essentially our tutor in New York. Um, uh, but he's really into philosophy. He's a very high minded individual. Um and he's a little dismissive of joe's work because she's writing as you talked about in the prequel episode at least with lisa may alcott uh pot burners pot boilers pot boilers yeah which are uh, like pulpy you know
1: sensationalist stuff
0: uh, she, at one point like one of the things he's dismissive of is she's writing a story about vampire that has vampires in it or something yeah. like that and so he you know it's it, like fantasy uh that kind of stuff and he he's not he's he's more interested in more, you know, like Shakespeare and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So, which is funny, I, ironic in its own <laughs> way, but <laughs> and maybe that's intentional because you know Shakespeare, Shakespeare was the pot boiler of its time. Yeah. So, uh, but is that from the book?
1: Yes, and it is actually even worse. Oh book.
0: boy, because it's you
1: know. uh, the movie. In my opinion, actually improves things yeah. by having his focus be that like he thinks she can do better. Um, Still not super great, but in comparison, the book has him deliver what basically amounts to a sermon about how writing that type of story will somehow ruin her. He basically says she'd be better off sweeping the streets if she needs money. And this this might have been the thing that upset me the most in the whole book.
0: I can absolutely see why, yeah.
1: I mean, there were other upsetting things, but this might have been the thing that like really got me that like the idea that some art is inherently trash and is somehow harmful just by existing. Like, I know this is coming from a teetotaler in the 1860s, but like, come on. Yeah. Come on, man. It was like a truly awful portion of the book.
0: Well, he's not a teetotaler.
1: No, but Louisa May Alcott
0: Yeah, but I don't think she thought that. Did she? I don't think he's don't voicing her perspective. I think cuz uh, No, I, I actually think that But
1: then Joe ends up like agreeing with him. And she stops writing that stuff and feels guilty for having okay. profited off this of it. This is
0: maybe where the the movie does it better in that regard in the sense that I that's not the vibe I get from the movie necessarily. And it, it's like you said, I think he's going a different direction in the movie with his criticism where it's yeah. more of you're capable of more than this writing versus this is he does have that at first and it's what i found most off-putting about him is his sort of dismissive yeah um sort of infantilizing attitude towards uh you know th- this uh like genre writing essentially yeah um and, and, and yeah i did find that in off-putting but the movie does go get to a point and i have more to talk about it here um very shortly, so we'll get into it more. But I think the movie changes that dynamic in the way he discusses her writing with her that maybe makes it feel less like she's giving it up because she also agrees with him that it's, like, not worthy, mm-hmm. and more so that she just finds something else that she thinks is more important to write.
1: Uh, yeah. You know what and I mean? And I mean, like, I think it's a tough call on, like, what the message right, is. Yeah especially in the book because we know that Louisa May Alcott also wrote this type that's of stuff.
0: That's what I that's what I'm saying, yeah.
1: But the way that it pans out with Joe ending up like agreeing and feeling bad about it and stopping writing genre fiction and, and maybe that's I fair. mean maybe Alcott was like, okay, this is a children's book, therefore I have to moralize maybe we could bring that kind of aspect into it. I don't know. It's like, it's a tough call to say. And I am, I am not by any stretch of the means, an expert on either this author or that like time period of writing.
0: Yeah. I guess let's just get into it now. Cause I have this later, but um, so there's the line that follows with this conversation where he says to her, um, and this is kind of what makes me feel like, at least in the movie, it's a more nuanced end complicated i this is what so he says to her about her writing after their initial exchange where she feels he's like dismissive and then he apologizes um but then later on uh she's he, he brings she brings him like another manuscript or something and he's still disappointed with it mm-hmm. and he says to her um this there is more of more to you than this if you have the courage to write it and i have this i wanted to know if that line was from the book um, so is that line in the book? It's not in the okay book, no. And, and then I wrote a note that's like let's talk about this for an hour because <laughs> this is what I thought was super interesting in regards to this whole dynamic, this whole sort of plot point of him mm-hmm. being dismissive over her writing is that the movie, and like you said, I think the movie maybe does it better makes it feel like it's less so that he thinks that this entire genre is unworthy. You get a little bit of that. But that he sees her talent and is looking for not that her writing is not showcasing her talent, but that her genre writing isn't utilizing all of her talents. Mm -hmm. That she's not pouring as much of herself into it as she could and that she's actually just writing it to make money. Not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I think he's... it's treading a fine line and there's definitely it's a very fine line and that's why I want to talk about it for an hour because like I I don't disagree that it's a fine line and I don't know if the movie nails it Um, but I do think there is something to be said of somebody you trust and whose opinion you value Mm -hmm. telling you Honestly, that they think not that your work is bad. And and I guess that's where it gets muddy with them is that he's so dismissive of the work entirely mm-hmm. that it, it makes it feel less good. But that somebody you trust and whose opinion you value being like, look, the, what you're writing here is what it is. It's fine. But you could do something much greater than this. And I, I don't and, and and being able to. See that in another person and try to push them to that next level of of like you know yeah trying to trying to push somebody to that to really push themselves um and push themselves out of their comfort zone and write something or or create something that you think that they're capable because that can be incredibly frustrating if you're know somebody who's incredibly talented and you feel like they're and you, you see that talent in them and they and you feel like there's something holding them back from really capturing it or moving forward with it it can be frustrating and it is hard to explain to them that Mm -hmm. that that sort of perspective um and i thought that line did an okay job of it of not being entirely patronizing but still i don't know it's so hard to it's a such a fine line i
1: it is a really fine line.
0: Do you even get what I'm saying? That- no, I
1: get. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Totally. Um, and I wonder because the movie makes some changes to like their relationship and how their relationship develops. And in the book, he takes on more of like like there's a period of their relationship where he has very much like a kind of a mentor. Yeah. role to her and i wonder if maybe that was the movie trying to like bring that aspect into what they were doing with his character which yeah. like i said it was a little bit different
0: yeah they do mention in the movie that he's like i don't need to teach you or something like that. Mm-hmm. they have some exchange that i can't remember it's a very short exchange that seems like it's in reference to him teaching her That we never really saw. Well, he does
1: in the book. He teaches her German for a while, and
0: we never see like any of that in the movie. But there is a line that feels like it's in reference to more of like a teaching dynamic that I wasn't sure what it was. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's
1: it's an incredibly thin, fine line. It
0: is a very hard thing to do, but it's one of those conversations that I think that. It's, yeah, it's hard to do because it can obviously come across patronizing and uh, obnoxious and uh, infantilizing mm-hmm. and, and all of those things. It's in, Especially when it's coming from a man to a woman, it's even worse, And especially yeah. from an older man to a younger. Like, there's a million layers to it that make it very difficult. But that being said, it doesn't mean it should be impossible. It, there's nothing inherently wrong. At least I wouldn't say... I, there shouldn't be anything inherently wrong. Um, even in this dynamic of an older man talking to a younger woman about her writing trying to find express to her a a magic that he sees in or you know like a some skill set that he sees in her that he feels like she's not utilizing Mm -hmm. it's hard to do
1: right well and it, it is that the context yeah that makes it hard and that makes it such a thin line
0: yeah i thought the movie did okay not great so it
1: does better than the book
0: not great in
1: my opinion
0: it thought it did okay um and and i think that particular simplicity of that one line yeah and the way he delivered it i thought did a pretty good job of it like sort of making it work mm-hmm. without feeling terrible mm-hmm. because that would have it would be easy for that that dynamic of their relationship to compute, completely ruin their, ruin their relationship for me like, for me, at least, like, that yeah. could have been very easy for that weird dynamic between them to, like, make me not like them together at all. And No, it no, didn't, I agree. And it didn't. Like, yeah. it, it got, Ugh, Yeah, it I think,
1: its... like, major props to the script writers yeah. for exercising restraint there, yeah. I think, and simplicity, and also to the actor.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, Yeah. Yeah, because I thought it was like, oh, that could have been terrible and it wasn't. And I still like them <laughs> together ish, A little, you know, like they still uh, it still makes sense. Could have been stories. worse. Could have been, could have been worse. <laughs> could have been worse. Uh, speaking of their relationship, after the first time he is sort of uh, insulting to her writing, uh, he decides to make it up to her by taking her to an opera <laughs> uh, and they go sit up in the wings of the opera. And it's in Italian or whatever. Um and and friedrich maybe it's german i don't know friedrich translates the opera as they're singing it he by whispering it into joe's ear mm-hmm. uh and that is a that is a baller move that is some a plus game and i wanted to know if that was from the book
1: it's not from the book <laughs> Uh, I agree, though, that movie Friedrichs got game.
0: I mean, whispering the translation of an Italian opera into a woman's ear or into, you know, your partner's, uh, the person you're at the opera with. The ear. I mean,
1: that would get it done. For that me. is that, uh, would, that would work for me.
0: Real solid move. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. It's time to talk about Laurie and Amy. <laughs> we mentioned it earlier uh, and it's it's time to get into it does laurie go lusting after amy in the book now based on our previous conversation i would assume that is what exactly what happens uh because i felt that that was a fairly dated um sort of plot development um
1: yes (laughs) okay so here we've arrived at the big controversy Uh uh-huh people love to argue about this this is like the og ship war yeah it
0: makes total sense yeah Yeah. i mean i would believe it
1: what's funny to me is that this discourse really tends to be dominated by the idea that joe and laurie should have ended up together Mm. um people liked them together. They wanted them to be together um, rather than maybe focusing on the fact that Laurie gets rejected by one sister and then marries another. And that's like at least a
0: little inky. That's the part to me that stuck out. And what I said, what made me f- it feel very dated to me is that that feels like something that would happen in the 1800s. and like, that's yeah. like an, an older thing to I me. Get, it's
1: definitely something that hasn't aged well, but if I'm being honest, I don't know how readers at the time would have felt about it. I mean, aside from, like, being mad that their ship sank. Yeah. But maybe, like, the idea of him, like, moving to another sister wouldn't have been that big of a deal. I don't know. To me,
0: that feels like a thing that happened more often back then. I Uh I could be wrong. That's just a purely a perception of, like, I don't know. It just seems like something that would have happened. like, Like, at least I feel like I've seen that kind of thing in media more from the, like, period media and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Or, like, stories that take place in that time period of, like, uh, people ending up with siblings of other like it just feels and, and i mean because when you go even further back to like there, there's like old laws about like you know if a if a, a husband dies the wife is marries the
1: marries the brother. brother yeah so
0: like to me it feels like a very dated concept that was potentially more like reasonable and like le- mm-hmm. would, would cause less of like a weird reaction back then i could be completely wrong about that but it feels that way to me <laughs>
1: So I mentioned in the prequel episode that Alcott seemed to be trying to avoid the typical marriage story with volume two of Little Women. Um, And she does that in large part by not having Joe marry the guy who, by all narrative appearances, she, quote unquote, should have married. Right.
0: Yes. Uh, They seem a perfect match for the first half of the movie. Yes.
1: Um however Alcott couldn't have Joe just not get married at all because at the time that would have been viewed as Joe having an See, unhappy that's what I was ending.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that's very much a thing. Like um to pull in another literary reference um a, to a modern reader the end of Jane Eyre where she marries uh what's his name? I can't even think of his name right now. I don't know. Um she marries the guy that <laughs> From a modern perspective, she should probably not marry because he's, like, abusive and awful. Um, but if she just doesn't get married, then readers see that as this is an unhappy ending. Yeah. She's being punished for something because she didn't get a happy ending. Um so alcott couldn't do that so she writes in professor bear who is an unconventional love interest mm-hmm. um he's not handsome he's foreign but not like in a sexy way yeah and he's much older than joe yeah um but they work together
0: mm-hmm.
1: now I, I suspect perhaps That Alcott also didn't want to write Laurie out of the story or, like, have him end up marrying outside of the family after he'd played such a key role throughout the book. So what do you do? Well, Amy's still single and not dead. This is true. Now, I'm going to read a comment that we got, because I posted about trying to Trying to Untangled make, trying the... to untangle this and like yeah. make my notes on this work. Yeah. Um. Especially perhaps for someone who's not as familiar with this whole like discourse. Right. Um. And I we got a comment from uh, Kelly Napier, mm-hmm. um, at Standby for Live, um, who said about Amy. She was desperate to find a place of love in a family where her older sisters were perfectly gentle, spirited, and saintly, in that order. Marrying Laurie was less about loving him or shading her sister and more about needing someone to accept her without judgment. And I think that's a valid reading from Amy's perspective. Which... If we're going to look at this like outside of how I feel about it from Laurie's perspective, Uh then we should probably look at it from Amy's perspective and not Joe's. Yeah. Because Joe's like not a part of this anymore. No, and she
0: doesn't, she seems to be fine. Yeah. Like, at least in the movie, she's moved on. And she's not worried about it.
1: Yeah. And like, personally, I honestly don't have super strong opinions on the whole thing. Like, do I think Joe and Laurie would have been a good couple? No, I ultimately think they would not have been. Um, the book does allow us to spend more time with Laurie and Amy, and they do play off of each other well. To me, it's still mildly off putting.
0: I think the movie fails by not giving us more time with them together when she's yes. not a child. Yes, like absolutely. literally a child. Because that was the thing that was most off putting to me is that we, he, the the little time we get between the two of them when she's not eight or whatever, or I don't know how old she, you know, mm-hmm. when she's not a little kid, is, um, which is already inherently weird. But, uh, it, <sighs> there's in the movie, all we get of them is Lori being a complete weirdo. Yeah. In the movie uh to her and about Joe and about the whole situation. Uh In particular, this line, which I wanted to know if it was from the book is after he comes in there, they're like, this is after he first meets her uh in France or whatever. And then they, they got kind of go out on a little walk or whatever together. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's very brooding and upset. And, you know, clearly like he's, He's traveling around Europe, kind of sleeping his way around Europe because he's upset and angry or whatever. Um, and he's talking to her and he says, I have always known I should be a part of the March family. And the way he says it is very entitled and gross. Yeah. And it just feels gross. And that is like all we get of them together. And then essentially there's a little bit more. And that's not all. There's like one other scene. Um and then he, they end up married, like, and they come mm-hmm. home and they're married. And that's, to me, what made it not work, like, it made it kind of feel like it shouldn't, didn't work, is that we only see them together when they're kids, when she's a little kid and he's seen, you know. Again, their age difference isn't supposed to be that crazy. Right, their but age feels, difference is,
1: like, five years. It
0: feels weirder in the movie because we have the actress switch yes. and he's the same actor, so it feels like, I don't know it feels like they're like 20 years apart not 20 years but it feels like he's 20 and she's 9 and then she's 16 and he's 30 or you know what I mean like that's what it feels like in the movie when it's not supposed to be that it's but yeah so we don't have enough time with Amy and Lori together for me to feel good about their relationship I Um,
1: totally agree but I do
0: like Lori at least in general other than the handful of scenes after Joe turns him down and he's like a brooding angry like Pre uh pre Batman mode. <laughs>
1: uh, this was how he Christian prepared Bale for yeah the role of Batman like pre
0: Batman mode Christian Bale. Um I, I didn't like that and I didn't like his attitude in that situation, but I did like him. and I liked him with Joe, but I also think it made sense for them not to end up together, like you said. Yeah. So I also don't really have strong feelings. I wasn't like s- super upset that she he ends up. Doesn't end up with Joe. Like, I was like, well, all right, yeah, that makes, that works. I mean, I, they're cute together or whatever, but I also, they, they, this is very much like a sort of brother-y, sister-y yeah. vibe. Like, I get it. Um, although, you could say the same thing about Amy. So it's like, eh, it's weird in <laughs> general. So like, eh, but I, I did have strong feelings. I was fine with it. I just think the movie needed more of their when yeah. she's more of time with them, yeah, we
1: needed older. more time with them where they're not arguing about the fact that Joe turned him down, right? In order for their relationship to feel anything less than kind of creepy, yeah. In the movie, absolutely, which the book does give to us, absolutely. Um, now Laurie is a huge brat about the whole thing in the book, similarly to in the movie, um boy could not handle being rejected yeah but yeah but we do get like more time with them so yeah.
0: I think ultimately where it ends up in general works them together uh her and and the professor together I also would have been fine with her just not getting married that would also would have worked mm-hmm. for me but we'll talk a little bit more about that anyways uh yeah.
1: now one thing that I, I don't think the movie mentions specifically is that the reason, They rush to get married before leaving Europe. Oh yeah, they
0: don't talk. um,
1: Is because um, like um, Aunt March and her other she's she's there with another aunt Mm and uncle as well in the book are making a big fuss about her leaving with him like unchaperoned. So they're like, "All right, we'll go get married." Oh, now it's perfectly valid (laughs) for us to travel together. There
0: you go. Interesting. Uh, so Beth, uh, after falling ill with scarlet fever, her health never recovered. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar to Louisa <laughs> May Alcott, yeah. And, uh, um, later in her life, uh, she's Beth. A, much she's younger. all
1: over this book. Yeah,
0: Beth, much younger though. Yes. Um, she's she's eighteen when she passes away, um, from essentially like a heart disease or something uh, caused by the scarlet fever. Um, and the scene where she passes away is is very sad and incredible and it reminded me a lot of the scene where um from fried green tomatoes where yeah (laughs) like very reminiscent of the scene from fried green tomatoes where uh now i can't remember their names
1: um edgy and ruth
0: yes or edgy no ruth
1: ruth uh, Ruth, um passes away while edgy is looking away out the window
0: um but two things one in this scene there's a line that beth said that is very well written line very very uh sticks with you and i it really struck me for especially it's just one of those things that made these her character and all of those characters are so well written and they're so well realized in this moment in particular her line really struck a chord with me where beth says to her because uh she's come home from new york to be with her um i love being home but I don't like being left behind. I want to know if that line was from the book or if that was a movie writer. Oh,
1: uh, that was a movie writer. It's not go. in the book.
0: It sounded like a movie the line
1: to me. Um, no, I will grant you, I did not reread all of Beth's near-death chapters, so there could be something similar that I could not find by searching keywords from that exact line.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then in the movie, I, I, there's the wind is rustling outside, and Joe walks over to the window to shut the window, um, and as she's doing that, and then she comes back, Beth has passed away in those few brief moments. And it's very sad. It's And it, again, it's, speaking of fried green tomatoes, it's kind of reminiscent where she walks through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how it have, plays out in the book?
1: Uh, the scene where Beth dies is pretty flowery, um, like you do in classic lit. It uh, doesn't mention what Joe is doing. I'm going to read a very brief excerpt here. Seldom, except in books... Do the dying utter memorable words, see visions, or depart with beatified countenances? And those who have sped many parting souls know that the, mo- the most the end comes as naturally and as simply as sleep. As Beth had hoped, the tide went out easily, and in the dark hour before dawn, on the bosom where she had drawn her first breath, she quietly drew her last, with no farewell but one loving look, one little, one little sigh."
0: So the movie actually does give her some uh, memorable words. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you could, it's actually kind of works in the regards because it says seldom except in books. You just translate that to seldom except in the movies. <laughs> and it works. Um, and it sounds like in the, in the, in the book she's, um, Marmee is there with her. Yeah. And which she's not in the movie. Right. Not. Interesting. All right. So this is weird. In the movie, it is very, I had no idea it was this meta joe writes the book little women and i was like wait wait wait. is is the book this meta is the book about itself the writing of itself <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> the book is not quite so meta. Okay. Um, shortly after Beth dies, Marmy suggests to Joe that she write something for her family, and she does, and it ends up being pretty successful. We never find out exactly what it is, though. Okay. So the movie is likely just expanding on that. So it's a reasonable tidbit. That's a reasonable expansion. Yeah. Okay. And it also makes it meta.
0: Yeah, it makes a real meta. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It really blew my mind.
1: The art is about the art. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I was like, wait, that's why it's called Little Women. Because the book's called Little Women. But why is that book called? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Finally, and we already discussed that Joe does, in fact, marry Friedrich. um, But I wanted to know if, uh, so my question isn't so much whether it happens. But in the movie, the final scene, uh, Friedrich drops off the, the manuscript for her book. or or the the printing of her whatever Mm -hmm. um and uh he's under the impression because of what aunt march said or
1: yeah uh hannah hannah the the
0: The, yes the the hired help yes that uh he he thinks that joe is married um Mm laurie uh and he's walking away and joe runs down the lane to him in the rain and confess their feelings and he proposes to her um is that how that plays out in the book
1: um, that scene is very close to what's in okay. the book.
0: It is. that I wanted to know because that scene in particular in the movie, that particular one scene felt so weird to me. Mm-hmm. It felt so strangely directed and acted in comparison to the rest of the movie that to me it felt like it was like an addition. Like it felt like they like, and I was wondering if maybe this, this was like something that wasn't in the book and they like felt like, ah, oh, we got to add on a scene where she, they, they get engaged. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. it, cause it, cause something about the way it's acted, everything about it felt off in comparison. And it's maybe it's just, maybe it was just me and it was something weird I was feeling, but something about everything of how that scene plays out felt wrong. Not wrong. Just kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this like a, a pickup thing? Like what? I don't know. It made me feel weird, and it didn't feel right. Um, it still has some nice moments, but in general, I was like, ah, eh, yeah. And I wanted to know if it was, and so that—that that is what. So
1: so it's pretty close, uh, but it doesn't translate super well okay. to the movie. Uh, for one main reason, I think. So the way that their relationship develops, I mentioned this earlier, is pretty wildly different from book to movie. What we see in the movie would have been considered very improper, even scandalous. Uh, they spend a lot of time alone together. Right. They're very physically affectionate. Yeah. Um, and that just wouldn't have happened right. in that time period. Um, so what the book does is builds up a friendship between them with a lot of Joe like denying to herself and being unaware that she is in love with him. Um, so... She spends a lot of time with him, but within the parameters of friendship, mentorship, etc. The scene with the umbrella is when they're finally open and honest about their feelings for each other. Now I don't mind necessarily that the movie makes updates to their relationship. Yeah. I'm not a stickler for historical accuracy which I know is going to bug people <laughs> when we get around to Austin. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, I know just enough about historical accuracy to get myself into trouble so I generally just avoid it as a topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do think that it's wise for films to update certain aspects of stories to make them relatable and or recognizable to a modern audience. Mm -hmm. I also really like a lot of the interactions that these two have in the movie that aren't in the book. I like when they're quoting poetry together. I like the scene at the opera. I like the scene where he has like a salon and they're talking about like women getting the vote. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, though, I think what happened is that the movie kind of tries to have it both ways by giving us both an obvious romantic relationship and a confession yeah, of true, love yeah. scene, and it ends up not really working.
0: Yeah. I guess that—does I does, does he have the misconception that she married? Um, like— or do they have that falling out where she leaves and like they end on bad terms? No, they... they
1: don't have a falling. Okay. out. Okay.
0: That's a... cause that's in the movie. That's what they do, which kind of makes it work a little bit, I guess, is that they kind of have a falling out when yeah. he's like, you know, being judgmental about her writing and telling her she's capable of more or whatever. And she ends up having to leave on that note. Um, so they didn't end on great terms or, you know, they didn't leave on great terms. So I think that's what the movie's going for. rather yeah, And having yeah. them have this sort of reconfession of love, but yeah i don't yeah it is interesting i I think it makes sense to update it yeah and i think it works pretty well i just thought that one scene and again it's not even what's happening it's not the dialogue it's not the script it's just something about the way the lines are delivered and the way maybe it's cut i don't know it just gave me this weird like uncanny like the rest of the movie felt so right and then this feels off something about it felt off like it did it felt Mm -hmm. like a like a like a reshoot or something. I don't know. It was, I don't it, know. I don't think it was because it, it was in the original script. I just or it seemingly would have been in the original script. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. That's it for was that in the book that, that we covered most of the talking <laughs> during that part. I got one question for lost in adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. Was wow. lost? Yes. Yes. And I want to get unlost as soon as possible. This is just I wasn't sure what happened to the family. We get a a couple lines in the movie about how they seemingly they seem to have money at one point, but now they don't. And I don't know if that's because the father's away at war and like so they're not making money or uh, the uh, Laurie's grandfather Mm -hmm. or whatever says they were they were one of the great families or something like that. And they have this rather large house in a nice neighbor. You know what I mean? Like they're in like the rich part of town kind of. And I I just wanted to know like what the deal was, what happened there.
1: Um, so it's specifically mentioned that Mr. March lost most of their money as a result of an ill-advised loan to Mm, a friend. Okay. More generally, he's just bad at money, much like Alcott's own father. That makes sense.
0: All right, let's get to it. It's time for Katie to go off about what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything.
1: I love the opening lines of this book because they introduce us to all of the sisters in a very economical way. And you all know I love economical storytelling. Um, We're immediately told something vital about each girl, something about their core personality, or something that they will spend the book growing out of. Um, Joe is kind of childish, Meg is materialistic, Amy is spoiled, and Beth is sweet. And that is where we are right off the bat christmas won't be christmas without any presents grumbled joe lying on the rug it's so dreadful to be poor sighed meg looking down at her old dress i don't think it's fair that some girls have plenty of pretty things and other girls have nothing at all added little amy with an injured sniff we've got mother and father and each other beth said contentedly from her corner so we know everything yeah. we need to know about everything. them. Everything. Right Boom. up front. Done.
0: I mentioned it earlier, but they uh, the characterizations, they're like you get it moment yeah. one.
1: So this random thing that I had forgotten about in the book. Um I haven't I had it in my reading notes that I was going to be mad if this wasn't in the movie and it's not. Is that uh, Joe writes up in the attic and there's a rat that lives in the attic that she has named Scrabble. Scrabble. And he's like her pet. Scrabble the rat.
0: Is that where the board game name comes from? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) They probably both come from the same, like, thing, though. Like the game and I don't know how old Scrabble is. I don't either. Doesn't matter. Continue
1: (laughs) Um, we talked about the Lyme incident. It's essentially the same, but it's a little more fleshed out in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy tells us a lot more about what went down. Um, there's a scene in the book where Joe tries to cook dinner, and it's a big disaster, like a classic comedy scene. Um, she accidentally uses salt instead of sugar in the dessert, oh, no. that kind of thing. And it's it's like fresh strawberries with sugar on top, which makes it even worse. So it's just like strawberries and salt. Uh, the Hummel baby, the one who has scarlet fever and gives it to Beth. The Hummel baby actually dies in Beth's arms. Oof. It's like the one starkly horrible thing that happens in this book. Because by the time Beth dies, it's like it's sad, but we've we, made yes. peace with it. Yeah,
0: we've known she's... We
1: know it's coming. Yeah. But this was like this like starkly horrible thing that yeah. comes out of nowhere. And it doesn't
0: happen in the movie. We don't yeah. see it happen. It's
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, in the book, Aunt March has a parrot.
0: <laughs> She's got that little poodle in there.
1: She does, And she does have, like, a horrible, they say oh. she has, like, a horrible little dog yeah. in the book. But she also has a parrot that is also horrible oh, and, like, man. says rude things. <laughs> um, there's a moment when Meg is starting to crush on Mr. Brooke where Joe finds a piece of paper that she has doodled Mrs. John oh, Brooke all over. Oh, my goodness. Apparently, girls have been girls doing have that for a very long time.
0: Kids don't change. <laughs> Much like war. Kids never change.
1: Um, after Mr. Brooke proposes to Meg, there is a scene where Aunt March tells Meg that she's going to cut her out of the will if she's if she accepts him because he's poor, um, which is... I mean that tracks for Aunt March. Yeah. But the thing that was great about that scene is that Aunt March keeps calling him by different names that rhyme with Rook, <laughs> and you're not sure if she's doing it on purpose, on purpose or not. Or on she's like, "You're not going to accept a proposal from that cook man, <laughs> uh, that Rook. Yeah. He's a poor guy." <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is um, when we when we come back for volume two, we have a chapter that like sums up what they've been up to in the the time jump um and amy has been busy trying all of the art to comedic effect um there's one point where she's uh trying to take like a cast of her foot and she gets it stuck because she doesn't do it right and then joe ends up like accidentally injuring her trying to like get the plaster off of her foot i didn't like that the movie had laurie and joe kiss Mm. when he proposes to her I felt like it made it seem like she was into him because she kind of kisses him back. I didn't
0: get that vibe. No, she kind of pulls away.
1: I mean, she does. I didn't but get it the vibe. Made, that she... Like, it made me feel like she was more
0: conflicted. I guess about that's it. fair. Yeah, that, that could be fair. Yeah.
1: And in the book, she never wants him like at all. Yeah, which is part of what helps smooth the way for like the the Amy transition.
0: Yeah. Well, see, I because th- I do think that that is one thing in the movie that it does feel like she's potentially into him. There, it, it they much of their relationship is very um, sort of brotherly sisterly yes. in the movie, but it's also there are elements that feel sort of more flirtatious in their relationship in the film, mm-hmm. and and it feels more like she is like romantically interested in him potentially, mm-hmm. like a little bit at times. It seems in the movie, there's there's like little moments here and there where it feels like she is. Um, that being said, that scene, I, like, I, it is more conflicted, but I do feel like she does, it does feel pretty, like, she does mostly just kind of pull away. Like, like there's mm-hmm. maybe a hint of like, eh, but like, in general, she's like, no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> um, Joe and Marmy also have a conversation about why she and Laurie aren't good for each other in the book. They have like a big, long conversation about it um, because they're two alike.
0: She does say that to Laurie. Yeah, she does. A little bit about how yeah. oh, they're two both stubborn and, you know, they fight with each other. and Yeah.
1: Uh, the reason in the book that Jo misses out on going to Europe is because she speaks rashly and puts her foot in her mouth around Aunt March. She's, like, going off about how, like, um, she doesn't ever want to leave home and blah, blah, blah. And Aunt March is like, oh, so you say? <laughs> guess i'll take amy then um and then while they are in europe i mentioned earlier that it's not just aunt march that amy goes with um there's another aunt and uncle um and the uncle when they're in england tries to pass himself off as british he like goes and gets his like haircut into the british (laughs) fashion and like tries to do an accent there's a lot more comedic moments in this book
0: than there are in the movie All right, let's go ahead and find out what was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies.
1: I thought it was nice that the movie had the girls deciding to take their breakfast to the Hummels on their own. Um, in the book, uh, Marmy kind of asks them to be charitable, you know, suggests that perhaps they could be charitable on Christmas. Um, So I thought that was a nice change. I liked the little scene um, with Joe trying to avoid that dorky-looking guy at that first dance that her and Meg go to. She's, like, sidestepping to get away from him. Um, And that's the dance where Meg ends up spraining her ankle, and Laurie puts snow on it. And then I loved Amy's line when they get home. they're like, oh, Laurie put snow on it, and she's like with his own hands. <laughs> Be a little more thirsty, Amy. <laughs> um, I liked that Meg overheard the gossip about her and Laurie while at the ball. Um, in the book, it's like she overhears somebody saying that they made a fool of her by dressing her up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the change to like gossip specifically about like her Going after Laurie yeah. was a good change. Uh, I thought the movie nailed the spirit of Marmy, but I liked that it updated her messages to the girls a little bit. Uh it's less about being like good and industrious and more about valuing their minds. We talked about it. We went, yeah. yeah. Uh, the play that they're putting on in the attic when they invite Laurie into their club is actually something that happens in the book much earlier before they're friends with Laurie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a good change to like move that later, have them be doing something like a little more interesting when they bring him into the fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Brooke does take Meg's glove in the book, uh, but the movie wisely skips. A very confusing chapter about Laurie like playing a prank on Meg and like sending her a letter that she thinks is from Brooke. And like I didn't it was a very confusing chapter and I was <laughs> okay. like I was like I don't understand what this has to do with anything as I was reading it. So I thought that was a good decision. I wonder if it's some weird, of that.
0: I wonder if it's some weird thing that makes sense in the time period like maybe. there's some weird like dynamic that we're just like social dynamic that we're just missing from I don't know I'm just wondering if maybe that's why yeah.
1: um in the book Mr. Lawrence uh, Laurie's grandfather his relationship with the marches um and especially with Beth who reminds him of his deceased daughter um gets started much earlier in the book and it's much more developed but I kind of liked that the movie had him show up right as Beth gets sick and then gifts her with the piano right after that on Christmas. I thought it was dramatic and kind of a fun way.
0: Yeah, it is very sweet and it's cuz you don't really know a lot about him and then he just shows up and it, it it's a nice moment. And but mm-hmm. does that same the piano thing happen in the book though. Yeah, he does okay. give her the piano.
1: The the movie doesn't really focus on the civil war that much, but it still like makes way more of the setting <laughs> than hmm. the book does the the that's i mean it's very much an afterthought yeah in both but even even still there's more about it in the movie than there is
0: in the book yeah we see some soldiers walk through town at one point yeah <laughs> that's about it though well i, I mean they're
1: they're they're pretty far north
0: yeah yeah they're not near they're the like yeah line or anything but
1: um in the scene where she's painting the teacup Amy is wearing Meg's old blue dress. I thought that. Did you catch that? I did. Yeah, it's the same I, dress. I was
0: like, is that the dress? Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: And I thought that was a really nice touch that like, oh, they really are poor. <laughs> Look yeah, at them.
0: I thought that was, I was like, is that the same dress that Meg was wearing earlier? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I've mentioned some of it, but just kind of as like a catch all, there's a lot of random stuff in this book that the movie does away with to give us like a slightly more streamlined
0: story. Yeah. Well, like, I've heard, I've heard this story or the, the book compared to like the adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn or whatever. Like
1: it's I, very much in that vein of like a lot happens. Yeah.
0: Like there's just a lot of little vignettes, a lot yeah. of little things and it kind and of. Then, and that
1: was the style yeah. then that yeah. was how people wrote, which is fine. Um, But we definitely like, if we're trying to condense it into a two hour film, we don't need every single vignette that happens. And I liked that the movie moved Meg having the twins to closer to the end. Uh, It's a nice emotional um, moment after Beth dies for both the characters and the audience. Um, It also means that we're cutting everything about them being toddlers (laughs) and what brats they were. It was a dreadful chapter. Um, And, what even bigger of a brat john was about meg not paying enough attention to him um which was even even more dreadful chapter um and there are a few sections throughout the book that are like this that are relating to like what a woman's role in the household is Mm. that just like haven't aged well however i do want to point out that it's possible that that was the point I'm not comfortable saying yes that definitely is the point but we know that Alcott was pretty progressive for the time and we know that she was unconventional she never married she never had kids and for a woman in that time that was pretty wild so I think you could read it as social commentary as like Alcott definitely trying to upset the reader I don't know if that was her intention but I think you could read it that way.
0: So the parts that you're talking about that haven't aged well, they're, you're, what you're saying is that those yeah. are elements that are more... Um,
1: I'm saying potentially she made it so awful that maybe she was trying to make a point.
0: Oh, 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 okay. You're saying she played up the role that the women were expected to play and that how um, sort of...
1: Like this example in particular with after the babies are born um where john is being like very unreasonable Mm -hmm. about like how much time she devotes to the babies how much of her time and energy um and then i think it's marmy that she talks to about it and marmy is basically like well it's your job to be the sunshine maker in the family so if your man isn't happy you have to figure out how to handle that that's your job so my thought is that like it's possible that this just hasn't aged well right i feel like it's also potentially possible that she wrote it Particularly awful, so that people would be like, "This is really like yes, unreasonable." Yeah, she, she
0: she she elevated it even beyond, like, to a point that even people at of the time period who would traditionally not could yeah. not even think about like how 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 a sort of bad
1: right um, and how that might look from the perspective of
0: yeah the mother people who've never put themselves in the in the sort of who've never thought too much about. Um, the demands on a woman as a yeah. mother and as the ho- homemaker and that sort of thing. She writes it to an elevated extent a- in a way that potentially would upset them in a way where they reevaluate how they felt about um,
1: potentially their, their perspective yeah. on
0: that. Again, that makes sense. I don't know. Right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I just have, was having trouble parsing what you were saying, but that that I see what you're saying now, and I think that potentially makes sense. And yeah, who yeah. knows what, but it, but that it strikes
1: the... me that the fact that it was upsetting to me as a reader might be
0: the point yeah 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 and and yeah for sure it, it could have been it yeah. could be
1: or it could just be that i'm reading this 150 years later
0: yeah yeah because like we said earlier it's like even then it you know it's it's 1860 even the most progressive people yeah we're still not <laughs> progressive on everything all right let's go ahead and talk about what the movie nailed
1: As I expected, practically perfect in every way. I thought the movie nailed the interactions between Marmy and the girls and like the way that they treat each other and talk to each other. Um, Joe's silly writing hat that she wears whenever she's writing. she has like a cap she
0: has a yeah it's like a, a it's a, what you might call it um, it's a Scrooge hat. yeah, it's a sleeping cap.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she has a silly a silly writing hat in the book. And I thought the movie did a good job with that. Uh, The Pickwick portfolio, um, their club and like the newspaper that they write together. That's straight out of the book. Uh, The scene where Joe burns off Meg's hair Mm -hmm. is out of the book. Um, Also, as someone who was a teenager in the early 2000s, very relatable. (laughs) Uh the scene where Joe and Laurie become friends because neither of them want to perform social niceties at the dance mm-hmm. was very relatable yes. as well
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and then Meg twisting her ankle yeah. Um, this was something that the movie did a couple times, not yeah, as much no- as the I book noticed did, this. I um, did. But notice Amy, this. when she's younger, she gets words mixed up. Yeah. She uses a word that like sounds similar but doesn't mean what she's trying to say. She
0: does the thing. What's his name does in Trailer Park Boys? <laughs> uh, I think it's Ricky. <laughs> I think it's Ricky. <laughs> Where yeah, they he it's just like close but not yeah. quite the right word. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I noticed that, but it was. A lot of times it was words that because of the time period, I just wasn't sure if maybe it was just (laughs) slightly different words like that they used. But I I did notice that. Yeah.
1: I thought the movie nailed just everything about Aunt March. Mm -hmm. When uh, Mr. Brooke and Meg get married, they dance a ring around the married couple. Which, oh, I, yeah, yeah. which I guess was a thing that was done back
0: then. Yeah.
1: We will not be doing that at our wedding.
0: No. no. That would
1: make me very uncomfortable. It did uncomfortable. Feel,
0: I, I mean, you say that. It felt a little pagan to me. I was like. It was a little, a little yeah, pagan. Yeah it, yeah, it felt a little, little pagan. A little pagan. There's, pagan. Like, there's like flowers and everything, and they're all like in white dresses. I mean, it felt. I felt. I was like, what is this? Like, it didn't feel overtly Christian to me. <laughs> or, you know, it didn't feel like puritanical 1800s Christian to me, but.
1: Uh, And then Aunt March does leave Plumfield House to Joe, and she does open a school.
0: Cool. All right, we've got a few odds and ends before we get to the final verdict.
1: Uh, So this is a mild change um, that I just wanted to mention not really a good change or a bad change it's pretty neutral um in the book their father is an army chaplain um and he doesn't get injured he gets sick which is why marmy goes to washington
0: that makes more sense yeah at least
1: because there's the the heavy implication in the movie that he's like a soldier
0: yeah it does feel more like he's a soldier because and he gets injured he has like an arm and a sling i guess it's more it, it it I guess it makes sense in the movie because it's more st- it's like more direct stakes and it's easier to yeah. understand like it's you know.
1: Yeah, we do, they don't have to explain to the audience Oh, like yeah, what he came he's down doing. with
0: some disease or whatever, you know, like and then the disease. It's like there's less stakes to that whereas yeah. he's in the war. He got injured. Oh, no, like, you yeah. know, it's immediately obvious what's going on there. Um, but it would make sense, especially with how much the movie sort of um, blurs the lines between uh, Alcott and. And the mar- you know mm-hmm. between the real life alcott's and and the marches it, to have him be a chaplain would have made more sense for their family like yeah that seems like it would make more sense like he feels like the kind of person who would be like a um uh, a conscientious
1: conscientious
0: conscientious objector
1: yes no i agree um
0: and so totally. like maybe he would be like a chaplain or something and not not actually a soldier but so I I read this somewhere and I we, I want to talk about this that that Marmy mm-hmm. is not shouldn't have actually been pronounced Marmy and I think all the movies have done this mm-hmm. um because that's how it's written but it, I think it's I was read somewhere that some scholars think it's actually very likely that it wasn't Marmy but that it was actually a just a written Version of mommy essentially, yeah, and that because in this region at this time period, they were what is the word, uh, non rhotic, which means they didn't pronounce ours, yeah, and so marmy would actually essentially be pronounced mommy, and that this is the actually the first written instance of the use of mommy, basically, is what I um, read. Somewhere.
1: I also read that while I was doing prequel research, uh, I didn't include it in my notes, but. Um, I think that Marmy has just been so, like, firmly entrenched in our collective unconsciousness now that there's no going back.
0: I don't disagree, yeah. But I thought that was interesting. And it it would be interesting to see a movie where they... Because that is another thing, is that they don't do a non-rhotic accent in in, in the movie at all. Yeah. Which, supposedly, that would be accurate, again, according to... I mean,
1: they're from Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah oh yeah that is that's still non rhotic in some regards. Just
1: give them all Boston accents.
0: <laughs> that's the update that's the that's the modern day little women we need. It's just <laughs> everybody pop the car out of Boston yard <laughs> and they're all talking like Mark walburn <laughs> in the Departed <laughs> Come on, Hollywood, don't be a coward oh uh, and it's 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 uh, i, I <laughs> why isn't there a little women? That this could it could have been this one where where uh, where, where where Laurie is played by Ben Affleck and, uh, you know, like that would have been that would have been great. Like it's where it's. Yeah. And it's it's basically Goodwill hunting, but it's um, little women, but like in modern day and they all have Boston accents. That would be the good stuff.
1: OK, I'm going to confess something. I've never liked Beth. Beth, she's, like, this beloved character in American literature, and I have always found her mildly insufferable. She's just, like, so kind of goody-goody. Yeah. Like, all I want for Christmas is for Father to come home. Like, come on, Beth, you're right, making Beth. everyone feel bad for wanting pencils and ribbons. Come on. We
0: have very meager desires here. You gotta be over here like, Ooh. I just want daddy to be alive. Okay. I've just... I've just we also want that.
1: <laughs> just never really...
0: You know, I don't Never really disagree. jived with Beth. I don't disagree. I like her it's in the movie. It's sad that she
1: dies, but I've never really liked her.
0: I liked her a lot in the movie. I thought the Claire Danes did a fantastic job. I think all of her scenes are really well done. I don't necessarily... And I feel like she's less annoying in the movie, but you say that, and I don't necessarily disagree that there is... An aspect to her that that is a little like, all right, we get it. You're great. Okay, go be a nun. Like (laughs) (laughs) we get it. So I thought it was interesting that and it drops off unless I'm misremembering, but that Joe has a voiceover like in it's the beginning like of the movie. It's very
1: sporadic yeah. throughout it, the it film. It reminded me of,
0: of, of Twilight in the sense that it's like they started <laughs> doing it in the beginning of the movie and then like kind of forgot about it maybe. But Joe has a voiceover for elements of it, and, and there are some throughout. It's mm-hmm. not – but um, I, I, was, I just pointed out because I wanted to remember – I wanted to remind myself to see if there is one in the 2019 mm. version to see. Because that is very much a thing that – is more common in 19 in cinema pre 2008 or nine or whatever uh, voiceovers were a lot more they've fallen out of favor more recently so
1: they're no longer in fashion
0: no
1: Uh, the book is third person omniscient but there are chapters that are basically just joe writing letters so a voiceover from that perspective is not a huge
0: stretch i don't think it doesn't i think it works fine i just i would be interested to see if they do it in the new one or the newer one
1: Um, So there is a reference in the movie to Mr. March having had a school that had to close because he admitted a black girl, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a reference to something that actually happened to Louisa May Alcott's father. Um, He had a school at one point, and um, a a lot of people didn't like it because he taught very like unconventionally. Yeah. um, Like you do. Yeah. Um, But like he did admit... A black girl and mm. that was like the straw That broke the camel's back people would Not stand for it
0: yeah Yeah that was during the scene in the movie where they're They'll the, talk the, about the, the silks rich girls The yeah. slavery and and the Child exploitation and stuff like that and they Mentioned that and that's interesting I will say this movie is a delightfully Cozy film it is it really is Uh is like the clothes And like the little vignettes Um and just uh, The way it's shot everything about it It is it is very cozy
1: yeah, I don't know that I would like call this a Christmas movie in the same way that like some movies are Christmas movies, but it works very well yeah. for the season. It's definitely
0: a holiday type film. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we have scenes that take place throughout the year, but in general, like most other most yeah. majority of the scenes are like around holiday winter there's, Christmas. There's there are at
1: least two like Christmas there's Christmas, two Christmas scenes, scenes, but and there's a lot of wintry scenes. Yeah. Um And there's, you know, like the focus on like family yeah. and that kind of thing yes. makes it's it feel very seasonal.
0: Very, very much. Uh, it's very cozy. And going off of that, the, one of the things I thought was interesting that I didn't realize until this movie and it, it struck out to me is that in my head, like taking top down shots, pictures of food. Mm-hmm. It's like a modern thing. It's like a it's like an Instagram like.
1: Yeah, it's like a BuzzFeed tasty. Right. Yeah. But
0: it's not. And this movie made me realize that, how much I've seen that in movies, Mm -hmm. like older movies. Uh, This one, there's a shot in particular in this one of like, it's like a Christmas pudding or I don't know what it is, some sort of bread or something, um, sitting on a table that is that straight sort of centered top down shot. Uh, It reminded me of another one of the same thing in, that I always talk about in a uh, princess bride i believe or the princess bride that is like the exact same thing um that i think i talked about in our princess bride episode our very first episode <laughs> um and or at least i think it's a top-down shot it might not be i could be misremembering that but i feel like it's a thing that is in movies more than i like older movies more than i thought and mm-hmm. it's it was just interesting to me because it, it stuck out to me of like oh this isn't like a 2010 and later thing yeah like we've been doing we've realized this is a good way to shoot pictures of food for a long time (laughs) interesting
1: so i looked this up while i was reading the book because i was really curious um because when beth gets scarlet fever they're like well meg and joe will be fine because they've already had it but amy is gonna have to go stay with Aunt march um and you actually can get scarlet fever more than once but it's pretty rare
0: yeah that's true for I think most. It's a bacterial thing, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I don't see why you couldn't get it more than once. Um,
1: but like most of the time, right. your body will like inoculate itself, like similar to like chickenpox.
0: Yeah, see, chickenpox is viral, though. I think it's.
1: Good. I mean, the similarity is that like if you've had it right once, then Which, you're probably yeah. not going to get it again. Yeah. Cause... That
0: is true for most diseases, and ge- or depending on what they are. Um, once you get, the, yeah, the antibodies and stuff. But I, the bacteria, it's, I'm not a, i am not I am not a medical scientist, <laughs> but I know there are differences between bacterial diseases and viral diseases, so right. it makes it more complicated. Um, and I know that, because I looked it up, and scarlet fever is a bacterial thing, which is also why nobody gets anymore, is because we have, a, we have, um...
1: Because we wash our hands.
0: Well, and we have penicillin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we, we came up with antibiotics. <laughs> they just didn't have them back then. That's why scarlet fever is not a thing anymore. Um, but yeah, it, uh, 'Cause you can get some yeah. There there's fears that you can get COVID multiple times. They don't think yeah. the immunity lasts forever. It's like potentially a while, but hey,
1: we could bring scarlet fever back. I'm sure there are people out there working on it.
0: Yeah, I mean you could bring it back, but <laughs> if you get it you lose go take some penicillin and you're fine.
1: <laughs> but will they take
0: the penicillin though? Yeah. 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 I will say this. I, we talked about Laurie and Joe earlier and um, whether or not they make sense together. And I think they make a lot of sense together. But I will say that Lori didn't completely understand Joe. There was one line in the movie, and I don't know if it's from the book, and I guess I should ask this, that he says to her when he's proposing to her. He says to her, um, you'll never have to write unless you want to. And something about that line struck me as, oh, you don't get her. Like yeah. you don't <laughs> you don't understand her like entirely like he gets her a lot. Like he, like in general. But he does he you know, he's in this moment confessing that he like understands her better than anyone and blah blah blah. But this like, you'll never have to write again. I mean, I guess unless you want to or something, you can. It's like oh okay, bro. <laughs> Clearly um, don't get <laughs> what she's about. <laughs>
1: I don't believe that's in the book. But I yeah, I agree. That that line is a big tell. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you don't you don't no. really. You think you know her. Yeah.
0: And you do, but like you miss it. You're kind you're, of blind to some of it.
1: You're yeah. not seeing the forest through the trees here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this made me laugh in the movie when um, Joe is talking about how badly she wants to go away after Laurie proposes to her. And then Amy's like, Well, Aunt March is going to Europe. Yeah. And I'm like, Why would you open like that, Amy? Why would you do this?
0: She's always she's like, oh, but she's taking me. You know, also, she's taking me. Oh, well. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, good job. Amy still can't get away from being kind of insufferable.
1: Just a little bit
0: uh the score by thomas newman i thought was really good in this movie uh it reminded me of something that i couldn't place and it's still driving me crazy i don't know what it is that it reminds me of i did look through his credits he's a prolific composer he's done tons of movies like shawshank redemption all kinds of stuff maybe it's shawshank redemption redemption who knows um but he did do one we just watched recently and maybe that was it Uh, he did fried green tomatoes
1: yeah um, I I forgot that I loved the score of this film. It was really good. Uh, and it also reminded me of something as well. I don't think it's fried I don't tomatoes. think it was too. I did get on Spotify and I hopped back and forth between those two soundtracks. And they use the string section in a very similar way. Like very emotional, but also yeah. like evoking this kind of pastoral quality. I mean, it makes sense.
0: They're similar-ish movies. Yeah. I mean, well, not similar movies, but they, you know, they're... Well, I mean, but they're they're coming of age stories about women at different yeah and period piece coming of age <laughs> stories about women. They're not really the same, I guess is my point. But they have, they, they, I could see how a composer would would see some similar similar through lines to kind of call into period pieces and yeah whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah I I don't know I don't know what it is but there's something it's one of those things where it's like when you hear um because the, the, I fe- I was just watching Gladiator the other uh-huh. day it was on TV and the theme from Gladiator is just the Pirates of the Caribbean theme <laughs> song not even like it's the same thing and it's the same it's Hans Zimmer or, what, or I don't know not Han, yeah. whatever it's one of one of those people who did all the movies and he it's like the same thing and I think this is one of those where it's like the same composer did like almost the same theme for two different movies and I don't I'd have to go listen to Fried Green Tomatoes again and see if that was it but I think there's some movie out there that has like the same theme as this movie
1: um one thing that I love about Winona Ryder's performance in this movie is that when men are showing interest in her she always just looks mildly terrified (laughs) Yeah, Like when Laurie is proposing to her and then later Um, at the opera when uh, Friedrich is going in for the kiss she just looks like mildly distressed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, I also found the directing the direction of this film just fascinating and really good and it kind of harkens back to what I was talking about how cozy it is. It's really reflected in the direction. There's like a real quiet quietness and like stillness to the film Mm -hmm. that works really well for the movie um and it and i think it was in the prequel we talked about i think it was ebert or somebody was talking about how the movie's almost boring but it isn't yeah and i i really did feel the same way where it's almost boring but in a way that feels nice
1: it's quiet (laughs) but compelling
0: yeah yeah, and it it has no desire to rush or or do anything particularly like the direction is very restrained. Mm-hmm. The, the camera never does anything that feels like they're trying to like be creative. Mm-hmm. And I and I mean that in the best way possible. Like it, it's a deft hand in the direction and the and the shot choice and the cinematography um and there are some creative flourish moments in the moment that i was when i wrote this line is is there's a, like a, a panning camera move as joe is writing little women essentially in yeah. the attic or whatever um but in general just and even that moment it's it's so slow and deliberate and everything i, I thought the direction was just delightful and like really like i said is like a really restrained and and works really well for for this movie
1: there was a nutmeg grater in this book, and I got really excited. <laughs> That's not going to mean anything to anyone unless you've watched any John Townsend, Townsend 18th, century cooking 18th
0: century cooking on YouTube,
1: which we highly recommend. Highly
0: recommend. Go check out. It's just called Townsend now, I believe. It used to be called Townsend and Sons, I think, uh, the YouTube channel. But is this called Townsend uh, or Townsends? Might be plural. I'm not sure. Um, I think it is plural. Uh yeah, great. If you like uh cooking or you like uh historical, like, yeah, reenactment, historical reenactment. Or if you just like cozy period like it's just stuff. stuff. It's yeah. just, uh, it's just a, a people usually one dude, John Townsend in 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 period clothing, cooking period recipes in period kitchen. Uh
1: it's very cozy. Shot
0: beautifully, yes. they, you know, and it's uh, it's delightful. And he
1: often one of like the recurring jokes yes. on the series is that he adds nutmeg. He
0: loves nutmeg to things,
1: which was something that people did yeah. then. Yeah. That's historically accurate.
0: Yeah. It's because it, the reason it became a joke is because every recipe had nutmeg yeah. in it, and he and he always because kind of made a 18th joke about it. Eighteenth
1: century people could not get yeah. enough. They put nutmeg, nutmeg. in
0: everything, um, and it, yeah, it got to the point where it's they they're. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so I got super excited when there was a reference <laughs> to a nutmeg, nutmeg grater, grater
0: in the book. You can buy a nutmeg grater on Townsend and Sun website. So there you go. All
1: right, so the last thing that I want to put forth into the world here. We talked about our Little Women adaptation with Boston accents, which I beg Hollywood for. Yes. An iteration that I would love to see... That Hollywood will probably not be brave enough to do in my lifetime is a transgender reading of Joe.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. I I got that vibe in the movie. So much sense. I got the potential vibe. I obviously. When you
1: read the book, it makes even more sense. I'm gonna read some poll quotes here. I can't get over my disappointment in not being a boy. I think
0: that was in the movie. On page three. I think that was in the movie as well, I think. Or something like that. I remember that line from the movie because I remember having the same thought. Or similar thoughts.
1: He liked Joe for her odd, blunt ways suited him. And she seemed to understand the boy almost as well as if she had been one herself. Joe felt quite in her element and found it very difficult to refrain from imitating the gentlemanly attitudes, phrases, and feats which seemed more natural to her than the decorums prescribed for young ladies. Yeah, it's a very natural read.
0: Yeah, when you're reading the book. Well, and we we have the moment where she chops all of her hair off. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I absolutely it was something that to me watching the movie felt like uh, it was there in the text or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was potentially there um in the text and again not I don't have, I don't live live that experience so I I I'm only judging from what I've heard and what I you know uh, of that experience it it seemed like it made sense to me it would be a, a reading of it that would make a lot of sense
1: yeah i would love to
0: see that happen it would be really interesting it would be quite interesting all right that's all we've got for the odds and ends it's time for the final verdict now <laughs> Are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict
1: first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. So before I really get into this week's final verdict, there is one thing that I want everyone to understand about me, and that is that I don't love classic literature. (laughs) I never have. I understand the value in a lot of older literature, but would I choose it for pleasure reading? Absolutely not. I also think that as a culture, we put a bit too much stock in classic literature, in like the canon. Is there good stuff there? For sure. Should you define your worth as a reader on whether or not you enjoy or have even read a lot of classic lit? Definitely not. Um, So I'm going to do a potentially controversial thing here and go with the movie over the piece of classic literature. Uh, I think the book is overall quite lovely. It stood the test of time in a way that's fairly impressive, especially for a book written by a woman that hasn't been fossilized into classrooms and syllabi in quite the same way that a lot of books by men have. While the movie has some faults, I think it managed to keep the spirit and the themes and... The most important plot points of the book alive, while also culling quite a bit of the story that either isn't necessary to the overall narrative or wouldn't ring interesting to modern audiences. Bottom line here the book isn't automatically better just because it's a book, which is kind of like the thesis of this show. Um, But the book isn't automatically better just by virtue of being a book, regardless of how old it is sometimes stories need to be updated a bit and made relevant in a new era that doesn't mean that the older version is bad but stories need to be allowed to evolve that's how they stay alive and on that note, I'm also really excited to watch Greta Gerwig's 2019 adaptation. I bet it's also a really great, fresh take on a story that has been woven into the fabric of American culture.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it could be really... I am I am excited to watch it. Because I, I love... Greta Gerwig's great. I love all the actors that are in the movie. Um, Or at least all the other stuff I've seen mm-hmm. them in. I, I think it's going to be fantastic i mean i've heard good things too i've heard that it's very very good so i'm excited i'm not crazy right greta gerwig did uh, a ladybird yes yeah okay that's what i thought i was making sure i wasn't mistaken um yeah i'm excited for it because ladybird was incredible and uh i think i think it's gonna be a lot a lot of fun and a really good film so that's gonna do it for this episode of this film is lit as always you can do us a giant favor head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit support us for two five fifteen dollars a month get access to different things at every level if you want to hear us talk about the 2019 little women support us for five dollars a month on patreon and you will be able to hear that in a week or two's time once we record that episode If you can't support us on Patreon, that's fine. You can also support us by heading over to iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else where you're able to leave a review for our show. Give us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate that. Or share our show out on your social media. That also helps. Speaking of social media, you head to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads. You can follow us on all those platforms. Uh, we post uh, pictures and, and follow-up polls. That's where we want your feedback so that we can talk about it on the prequel episode. Before each episode, we get feedback for the previous movie and hear what you have to say about it, what your opinions are. And we love to hear that kind of stuff. Uh, this one will be an interesting one because I'm sure people have strong feelings.
1: <laughs> yes, they do. About
0: <laughs> little women. <laughs> so please do all of those things. Katie, two weeks. What are we talking about?
1: In two weeks, we will be on our Christmas Christmas episode. Real Christmas episode. As opposed to, this was more like a pre-Christmas. Yes. And we will be talking about the beloved book and film, (laughs) The Polar Express. The
0: beloved book that is also a film that exists, (laughs) Polar Express. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that should be fun. Um, yeah, I, we we talked about how it's the same author uh, as Jumanji. Mm-hmm. We didn't plan that; it just kind of worked out. And <laughs> we're like, oh, all right, all right. I don't think I you didn't planned that No, right. I didn't
1: realize it yeah. was the same guy when I was <laughs> no idea this it was out. the same.
0: So we we're like, oh, well, all right, because we're doing knocking his stuff out back to back. So yeah, Polar Express. Uh, I've never seen the movie. I mean, Me I've either. seen moments of it on TV or whatever, but I've never watched the whole film. Um, I remember the book as a kid, reading it as a kid, mm-hmm. and enjoying it. I. Do think I'll have a different feeling about it now? I know faith's a big sort of—I
1: mean, when you're getting into Santa Claus theme
0: of the of the story. So we'll see how I feel about it in current year versus when I was four or whatever. Um, but yeah, it uh, should be interesting. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it and seeing how the how the movie does because it looks weird. <laughs> I remember thinking when I saw the trailer for this, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know how I feel about this. Oh, but that's in two weeks' time. In one week's time, we've got our prequel episode for that where we'll be doing our Little Women follow-up and uh, previewing Polar Express. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And and keep keep being awesome. awesome.